Alright, welcome to the Lava Wall Podcast. This is episode 3, Television Rainbow Screen Proximity Effect EP. Now, the name of the band originally was Proximity Effect. Um, we later decided to change the name to the band name to Television Rainbow Screen. I had a conversation recently with the drummer, and we decided uh, it would make sense to name it Television Rainbow Screen, uh, since the band eventually morphed into that that band. It, we had a, a few member changes. The band was active uh, late in 2008 to 2009, and around to uh, around late 2009, uh, we changed the name to Television Rainbow Screen. Um, proximity effect was Michael Castro. He was the drummer. Ramses Serrano uh, was the guitar player and myself on bass and vocals. This EP was recorded around 2009. Not sure what the month was. Um, at Alathia Music in Hemet, California. Uh, I mixed and mastered this EP and I mastered it in 2020. It was my first official recording I ever made from start to finish. In the past, whatever band I was in, we would usually just pitch in and pay for somebody to record uh, whatever we were doing. And most of the time it was pretty expensive. Um, and it would take a long time to do. Back in the day, you know, I didn't really understand the process that well, and we would kind of go in with a pretty basic idea for the songs, and most of the time they were pretty much written, but every every now and then there'd be like a song that was like half-baked and wasn't really uh, fully formed, and most of the time that is the, the worst way to do it because you end up just killing so much studio time which ends up being really costly uh, so if you've never recorded before and you're looking to record don't make that mistake learn from what what I went through uh, with past bands that you know it just doesn't make sense to write while you're in the studio unless you're just insanely rich and or you have some awesome record deal just don't don't do that <laughs> it's a pain in the ass so the EP cover design um, it was a photo that I took uh, at a show that we had at the Whiskey A Go Go I was walking up to the venue and I saw our name uh, posted up on the marquee and I snapped that photo and obviously I I took off the name Whiskey A Go Go from the top and just photoshopped in 
the band name. It was I, originally I wanted it to just be the Whiskey A Go Go's name on there, but <clears throat> after talking to the drummer about it, he just <laughs> he you you didn't really you know it's kind of a washed out venue nowadays. I mean, it used to be a classic. I mean, it still is a classic venue, but. Yeah, it's kind of lost a lot of its reputation, probably through mismanagement, and, but uh, still it was a pretty epic moment for me, playing on the same stage as The Doors and so many awesome bands that have uh, played there, so it, you know, I, I would just imagine all the amazing musicians that walked on that same stage so it made sense to me to to use that as the EP cover so like I said it was recorded at Aletheia Music and there's some backstory to to that place it has a pretty big chunk of my beginnings of music um and you know i have to show respect for that and um if it wasn't for for that it, you know i learned a lot during that time and how to record and um just experimenting experimenting with sound and so i'm grateful for that and <clears throat> so my beginnings with aletheia music um, I, I would just usually go in there randomly to buy strings or whatever, uh, anything I needed musically. That was usually the spot I wanted to go, unless I wanted to get something major, I would go to, like, Guitar Center, which was a lot further away. Um, but at the time, it was being managed by Kenny Finn, and he... Uh, was an awesome, awesome dude that I, I love to network with, and, you know, he was a fellow musician, and we would often talk about, you know, just random things that we were into musically, and kind of trade, uh, tips, uh, for, like, practicing or whatever, and we became friends, and at the time I was going to school for audio technology, and, uh, yeah, I kind of, like, went into this a bit in the last podcast, but if this is, uh, the first time, the first podcast you're hearing, uh, this will be new to you, so I'm just kind of going back over it again. Um, but Kenny basically let me get into a temporary internship as a recording engineer there, um, I made a handful of recordings there. This Proximity Effect EP was the major one that I I got from from there. It was start start to finish all my all mine and um pretty proud of it. Uh even for how raw it is and you know, it's obviously not the the best quality, but you know, for at the time I <laughs> and not really knowing too much uh, with recording. It came out pretty good, I think. And um, 
I also recorded some solo tracks that were supposed to be on Interest Ellington but didn't make the cut. And I also recorded one rap EP there. Uh, unknown fact. <laughs> uh, I don't know whatever happened to that. I don't have any recordings of it, but uh, it was a homie that I used to work with at the Saboba Country Club. I used to work there as a bar back and busser and banquet uh, banquet staff personnel. Um, but yeah, got him in the studio, and that was probably like the only only one that I recorded for somebody else there and got myself some money in the store some money with that um but yeah during the the process of all those recordings um in the background you could hear sometimes occasionally um just the store's sounds like just people like <laughs> messing around with equipment or uh it's just Randomly, if you're paying attention uh, pretty deep to the recordings, sometimes you might hear something like that. Eventually, uh, Aletheia Music transitioned into Harvard Street Music. Um, Kenny parted ways and moved on to something else. I'm not sure what, but uh, it moved, the store moved up the street and changed names and management and nowadays it's uh run by the homie julio uh, guias uh awesome dude a uh, really humble guy that always you know hooks it up and if you're in the area go support them they are an awesome music store and uh, they deserve all the success they could get um but yeah, at Aletheia, um, there was a handful of shows that that uh, I had there. Um, I actually played there with Proximity Effect. I think that was the first... Yeah, it was the first time I ever played there um, with that group. And I remember it being a pretty cool show. Um... A lot of people showed up, and uh, there was a fun after party. Uh, and I again played there uh, as a solo artist around the time I was recording Interest Ellington. And and then later, uh, with Family of Light, we played there a bunch of times. Um, and the store changed the way the stage was multiple times. I think it changed at least three times uh, while I was playing there with different bands. Uh, and there was also a, a pretty big surprise party that the guys from Family of Light threw me there, which was, was fucking awesome. It was cool. <laughs> I still to this day, I remember it was, it was pretty... Uh, pretty awesome one of the coolest things uh anybody did for me for my birthday um all these dudes just um well first of all they <laughs> they told me that they were gonna take me down to tj 
and we had gone like previously one other time and I was just like, all right, I mean, if that's what you guys want to do, what the hell, <laughs> we'll go out there and and just party it up out there. And um, uh, So they ended up taking me to the to the Alathea and um, all the lights were out and everything and everybody got out of the van and I was just going to stay in. I was just sitting in the back seat of the van and I was just like, just, uh, you know, I just was thinking like, oh, I'll just wait it out. And cause like, you know, they're like, I, I I had already used the bathroom and I was like, and they were all like asking, they're like, don't you want to use the bathroom? And they're just like trying to lure me out. <laughs> and for some reason I just, I, I was just like, why? I mean, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see the point of getting out of the van. I was like, let's just go, you know? So I was waiting for them. And they're like, come on, man, just, you know, eventually <laughs> they they got me out. And uh, so I was like, all right, whatever. And then walked into the store and and when the f- they flipped on the lights, they almost gave me a heart attack. I was, <laughs> that was the most surprised I've ever been probably. And, and there was a bunch of people there and it was uh, an awesome show. And, uh, yeah, great memories. Thanks for that. If you guys are listening, that's, uh, always going to be an awesome memory. Uh, so anyways, I'm going to get back into it. Um, the first song on the EP is Falling. Check out the clip. first song on the EP Falling. Falling is a a song about falling in love with someone you shouldn't be um, and moving on from that person. Uh, Listening to it now I kind of hear (laughs) the you know the amateur uh, nature of what I was doing at the time and I, I definitely overdid it too much with the reverb on my vocals, and <laughs> when I hear it, I wish I could go back and change it, but uh, unfortunately, this is another one that I do not have the session files for, and yeah, if you don't know what the session files are, that's basically just uh, the file that lets you go back into the session and do surgery on it and change levels and EQs and um you could you could totally just redo the whole song and even do like a remix with it so anyways yeah I don't have that unfortunately so what you get is what you get so but yeah you know it's still not bad all these years later I still think it's 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 not too shabby um 
but yeah proximity effect was totally into like mixing the sounds of rock jazz and reggae uh this song is a great example of that it um pretty much mixes all three of those genres uh we were really influenced uh from artists like bob marley red hot chili peppers uh kind of jazz band named karate uh mars volta at the drive-in incubus and minus the bear among others Uh, we did. We used to do like cover songs live too, and uh, some of them were Red Hot Chili Peppers' "Californication," uh, minus the Bears' "Throwing Shape," at the Drive-In's uh, "One Arm Scissor," and Incubus's uh, "Nowhere Fast." All of those were awesome to play live, and always got a pretty good reaction out of the crowd. So that was always fun to do. Later on, I found out from uh, just random people that would listen to the EP that this song <laughs> sounded like uh, a Coldplay song, uh, the song Sparks on the album Parachutes. And I I never even really heard that until somebody said that. And then I went and checked it out and I was like, oh yeah, it's like in the same timing. and. Uh, it does have the same feel and swing to it, but uh, our version definitely changed uh, pretty drastically from that intro. Uh, the song like definitely has some marijuana references <laughs> uh, at the beginning and then the end uh, during the reggae outro, of course. And I, I, you know, I'm definitely <laughs> listening back to it nowadays. I'm pretty embarrassed about the uh, bigger, better lyric the way I do it at, on that part of the song. Like it's, <laughs> it makes me cringe when I hear it. So, yeah, it is what it is. But <laughs> still a little embarrassed. With, but uh, but still glad you guys could hear it, so, you know, it's uh, part of my past and what I was into at the time. Um, but yeah, like, you know, my personal feelings about weed, you know, I think it's, you know, I I love it. I think it's a, a great thing, and I don't think it should be illegal, and, uh, you know, when used properly and not, you know, overused, it's a, it's a great tool to get you to step outside of your normal stream of consciousness and uh, you know of course it uh, can make you do dumb things like just because you're you're not thinking straight you know I mean if you're uh, one of those people that you know just overdoes it you know you, people see it all the time from stoners that <laughs> they just start doing dumb things and um uh, but for me, like, I just noticed it always, uh, it's always just the, the short-term memory. That's where it, it gets me, like, and, uh, my only, uh, problem with it, I guess, that I don't really like about it, um, because I, I like to remember things, <laughs> especially in conversation, you know, like, I notice when I'm smoking more often, it, uh, it always, 
like I'll just totally lose my train of thought in the middle of the sentence and be like, oh, what was I talking about? Like, <laughs> yeah, I just totally be off uh, and not know what the hell's going on or what what's uh, being talked about. Um, but besides that, I think it's great. Um, you know, there's nothing wrong with it. Um, I mean, you definitely shouldn't be. Uh, driving when you're completely baked and you know that's probably not the best idea but it's totally doable but yeah you still shouldn't do it uh and and i also feel that you know it should be used at the right time in the right place you shouldn't just be able to walk around and smoke like especially you know like out in public especially uh you know if you're walking around children or something it's like come on like you don't (laughs) You don't want to be giving like kids like contact highs, you know. So, I I definitely feel like it should be regulated, uh, where you know maybe have like designated smoking areas like cigarette smoke. You know, it's the same type of thing, um, or just keeping it to your house and in your own private area. You know, I, I did it. It makes sense to do it like that. <clears throat> um. But anyways, uh, yeah, when it gets into the uh, reggae part of this song at the end, um, we all, as a band, kind of thought it would be cool to have a part in the song where we all just trade off solos and uh, just kind of show off our musicianship a little bit. And so that's what you hear. Um, The bass solo is uh, one of my first major solos I ever did. I mean, I had, uh, I had, uh, like a smaller type of solo that I played in the past recording from my first band I was in, Eve's Impurity, uh, but it, it was nowhere on the same level as this one. This one was a lot more, uh, funky and, um, definitely more, a lot more improv um, whereas the first solo on that Use Impurity EP was a lot more structured and it didn't really ever change. But with these solos, they would change every show that we did. Um, but yeah, by the way, uh, with Use Impurity, I'll, I'll be doing um, podcasts on those recordings as well. Uh, they are currently not available on streaming services, but I am working on getting that done. <clears throat> so, uh, a little fun fact about the bass solo, too. Um, in the... It's not in the middle, but it's like towards the end of the solo, you could hear a pretty big difference um, in the sound of the bass, and uh, there's a reason for that, and <laughs> it's because I, I used a completely different bass um, and just punched in at that point. Uh, and I just thought it, w- it would be kind of like a cool thing to do for the recording. And uh, I used a, a friend's Fender Jazz bass that... It was a really awesome bass that uh, he was letting me intonate for him. And if you don't know what intonation is, it's basically just uh, kind of adjusting the level of the strings on a guitar. Um, something that 
I would do occasionally for friends for a little a little pocket change but uh, yeah that's basically falling so moving on uh, song to the melt question Let's get out of here It's half past seven We're gonna be late You know that can't happen today The wheels are spinning Okay, that's song two, the melt question. Uh, so the title of this song came from a party at a friend of a friend's house. Um, in their kitchen, uh, on their refrigerator, they had random word magnets on it so people could just randomly make sentences. Uh, I was messing around with some of the words and rearranged them randomly. And and uh, the melt question appeared, um, and I just thought it sounded cool, uh, and I remembered that name and named the song after that random moment at the party. The song title doesn't really have a specific meaning, but to me it's about someone asking you a question that makes you melt, in a sense. Uh, that could be a good or a bad thing. Uh, like if someone is asking you if they, if you love them, or a question that makes you lose your train of thought. Uh, kind of some something in that type of vein. Um, the the meaning doesn't really tie into the song, but I like I like the way it sounded, and so I just I was like, hey, what the hell? I need a song title for this. This track, uh, how about the milk question? <laughs> and uh, the other dudes were like, all right, yeah, it works, so why not? And that's where it's at. Uh, so the song is about staying up all night after a gig, partying, and going to work the next day, which, if you've ever done, is not a very fun thing. <laughs> it sucks ass. <laughs> so uh, uh, I can't believe I even would pull things like that you know back in my teenage years but that's I think it's pretty normal actually for for a lot of kids that age um but yeah nowadays I'm like oh hell no (laughs) you'll never catch me pulling that uh yeah no way nowadays the lyrics talk about how we would drive from Banning California where we would practice and drive back home to San Jacinto through Lambs Canyon. Um, if you've never been in that area, or um, you, yeah, you just don't know what it's like. Uh, sometimes it it rains and uh, can even become extremely foggy uh, to the point where you can't see, you know, two feet in front of you. Uh, so it, it's it makes uh, for very dangerous driving conditions. Uh, the, f- the first verse talks about uh, driving faster than you should uh, with those rough 
types of conditions uh, just to make it to work the next day so you don't lose your job. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I didn't, I definitely would have, uh, you know, attendance problems sometimes, especially <laughs> around those years. I just, you know, I, I was struggling with being punctual and so I think that's what that was that uh, lyric was about because uh, I think I you know it was to the point where if I was late one more time I could technically get fired and so <laughs> I, it was a uh, it would be pretty dumb to be late and uh, I think I was pretty close to being late um, so <clears throat> Uh, at one point in the song, uh, I think it's the after the first verse, uh, I changed the lyric. Uh, it, it's like right after the part that that I say this uh, this could be a milestone. Um, and originally, the lyric was, uh, "I'll base my life on dollars. I'll work the day away now." Um, and I changed it to, "I'll base my life on love." I'll love the day away now. Uh, I, I yeah, so I just wanted to change it to give it a more positive outlook. It, I mean, uh, the original way I had it was a lot more negative and had like a dark, dark uh, meaning, and and I just got tired about complaining about negativity and decided to talk about positivity instead. Um, which, you know, I, which carries over to what I do now. It's, it, it hasn't, it hasn't really changed ever since this song. I'm always trying to keep things on the positive note. It's just a better way to live, you know? <clears throat> and, um, the original meaning was about being angry about the way, like, American capitalism is and how lower class workers... Uh, making minimum wage, uh, barely get enough to survive, and the stress and frustration of that uh, is very hard to cope with. I mean, I mean, it, you see it all the time. There's people constantly struggling with that, <clears throat> um, and yeah, it's still a massive problem in uh, American culture and pretty much probably throughout the world. I'm sure. There's a lot of poverty happening out there and, you know, a lot of division between um, the, you know, the, the wealth gap between the, the really rich and the really poor uh, sometimes feels like it just keeps widening and the middle classes um, kind of getting drawn into the, the lower, uh, poorer class, uh, which is unfortunate, which... Something should definitely change with that. <clears throat> um, but anyways, uh, the the jazz bass chords, uh, I, I do like a... I always like the way it sounds on this song. Um, I kind of do these... I, I guess you would call them three stops. You're hitting three notes. Uh, like Almost like a guitar chord, but on bass you obviously can't hit... Uh, I mean, it's only four strings, so um, anything usually over three notes that you play together will just sound like too muddy. You don't really want to do that. It doesn't really make sense to play chords on bass, but 
Uh, every now and then, like this song, you know, when you're hearing it, like I'm playing three notes and you, you could find the, the sweet spot on the bass where it sounds pleasant and it doesn't sound uh, too muddy. And uh, <clears throat> the second verse uh, talks about uh, the haze you feel basically after staying up all night and uh, and then like hearing blasting music from other cars uh, during the morning commute and, and, you know, you just hearing that dude, like, or chick, like singing, uh, singing along to the song. Um, and, and it's just kind of about the, uh, a day in the life of, uh, uh, American commuter in the morning. Um, the song theme, uh, returns back to falling in love again at, at the end of the song and uh, not really caring about the consequences. Um, the band was pretty interested in uh, song style changes. Uh, it's a pretty common thing between all these songs. Um, as you're hearing them, you definitely will hear it. <clears throat> I think all three of these songs have pretty big changes in them where it just completely sounds like a completely new genre and uh you know i always like songs that switch styles like that in the middle of the song uh, a good example of that is uh, paul mccartney's song jet <clears throat> when you hear that song it's like there's like four or five different <laughs> songs in that one song like it's uh but it, it's it's cool man it like tells a story and uh, it just changes uh you, you can't, uh, and, and then it's just like one, one whole song that's just, I don't know, it makes sense when you hear it. Uh, but yeah, anyways, that's uh, the melt question. Um, I'm going to move on to song three, the final song, Newport Beach. Check it out. final track on the EP song three Newport Beach uh, this is a personal favorite of mine uh, the song is basically about a shroom trip to Newport Beach um, <laughs> that, that might be a shock to some of you especially like if you're you know a lot of this if if uh, my family or anyone out there that knows me <laughs> uh, you know, I kind of keep my uh, feelings towards this type of stuff pretty quiet. I don't usually uh, put it on blast, and um, so <laughs> it could be uh, 
quite a shock to those listeners, but you know, yeah, it's the truth's gonna come out eventually. I'm sure y'all already kind of knew, but, <laughs> um, but yeah, you know, it's just, I, you know, I gotta let my thoughts on things be heard. You know, it's it doesn't make sense to shy away and not talk about these things that you know I feel passionate about. So. And uh, shrooms and psychedelics are one of those things I am passionate about. Um, there's a awesome uh, experiences that you could gain and um, that could change your life dramatically in positive ways uh, through the use of psychedelics. And I, I will always be uh, for that. Um, the way I, I've always like compared um, my personal feelings and my uh, personal trips that I've had, I always compared them to the way like astronauts talk about Earth when they go to space and come back and how small and trivial Earth's problems seem from space. Um, when you're you know, you see videos of that, and uh, and you you hear them talking about you know the vast blackness of space and how tiny Earth seems, and and it's just like they just always talk about how you know if they only knew like if they could only see this view themselves and realize how how dumb like almost all the problems we have on earth are like from that scale like it just doesn't make sense to bicker and uh over you know i mean they may seem like big problems and some of them are you know but <clears throat> you know like in the vastness of space like it's just like we're all we got you know um we don't know of any other civilization um or forms of life beyond our own um and to me like those types of thoughts and uh feelings often prevail in my personal trips and um can make you feel very small and insignificant but at the same time very aware and powerful uh, yeah. I, I just i can't recommend doing that enough um but yeah the uh the first sample on, on the song is uh from the nasa space space launch i remember hearing hearing that and then just thinking how cool it sounded and i was just like man i'm gonna use that for a song and uh, i got my phone and recorded it straight off the tv and that's what you hear um, but yeah, you know, I think it, it fits perfectly into the theme of taking mushrooms. You're just <laughs> getting ready for, uh, for a liftoff basically. Um, and the first and second verses, uh, talk about meeting up with the drug dealer to get the shrooms, uh, the lyric says uh, he sells excitement with a price that we all pay together. Uh, so 
yeah, that's kind of what that's talking about. If you didn't know, <laughs> I'm sure most people can't really tell. Uh, I like to write in uh, kind of symbolism and, uh, you know, I, it, I like being mysterious in a way. <clears throat> um, but the, the band's love definitely, love of uh, jazz definitely shows through. Uh, especially on this song, uh, I wrote that intro, um, definitely, uh, 3-4 timing, uh, jazz type of riff, and, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I just love that sound. Uh, the bridge talks about, uh, like the shrooms and uh, feeling them kicking in uh, the lyric says should I take them now do you feel like I do it seems this way <clears throat> uh, I always love the bass rift rift and uh, yeah just how it like transitions into the third verse it was always like a favorite part of mine in the song <clears throat> And uh, verse 3 talks about the excitement you feel after uh, driving for a while and finally arriving at the beach. Um, it's You just start seeing the ocean and to me it always just, it just uh, gave me like this rush of energy. <laughs> I always just uh, love that part of the trip. Um, and the PCH, uh, Pacific Coast Highway, was always a favorite highway for me to drive uh, on and to sightsee near the beach. Um, I always have fond memories of doing that as a teenager and in my 20s. <clears throat> I love that area so much and can't wait to go back one of these days. Um, and uh, verse 4 changes styles again and uh, changes into like a minor darker theme um which which translates to what actually happens sometimes on a shroom trip uh shrooms typically last uh, six to eight hours and your your thoughts can turn pretty dark um on just the slightest whim like um everything that just seemed like was like just a happy Disney movie a second ago can turn into like a horrible nightmare that uh, that just sucks just by seeing or hearing something that triggers a memory. Uh, the segment of the song is basically about anxiety and worrying about things changing. <clears throat> and uh, in verse 5 it changes back again to a happier lighter sound and this verse is basically about walking down the seaside with someone you love. Uh, and the outro is about how you feel after the trip is over. Uh, during the trip, when it takes a dark turn, it can feel like you broke your brain almost and you lost your mind. Uh, you worry about... Uh, you worry that you will never be the same again and that you might just be a vegetable for the rest of your life. <laughs> I know that's how I felt the uh, 
the uh, first time I had a bad trip. It was my second time taking mushrooms, and uh, yeah, it was a very intense trip that, yeah, I I didn't it I didn't feel comfortable uh, where I was at, and uh, almost the whole trip I was just in a really dark place and. I didn't feel like there was anywhere for me to go. Like I didn't feel comfortable at where I was at and I didn't want to go home because I I didn't want to be around my family while <laughs> I was like frying my ass off. So I, yeah, I felt trapped and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do, uh, but I'm going to ride this out because there's nothing else I can do. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I just kept going with it. Um, and I just remember seeing like, the first sign of the, the bad trip was uh, looking at, like I was sitting in my friend's garage and we were just listening to music and uh, it was actually like my friend uh, Pat, freaking rest his soul, like that was awesome, he died way too young, but um, yeah, he bought a, a Primus uh, sailing on the sea of cheese and he put that on and that's like right when it started kicking in and then I just remember looking up at uh, the the like the top of the garage and seeing like this warning label and just seeing that label like it just was like warning get ready like you're about to start freaking out and it just kind of triggered <clears throat> Uh, the bad trip and uh, I, I remember it just being so strong that I remember looking down at my my jeans and and uh, seeing like the threads like moving like audio wave signals and like just vibrating like a guitar string <laughs> and I was just freaking out I was just like oh my god this is way too strong I don't know what I did I should not have took those <laughs> and uh, yeah just thinking about it gives me like flashbacks and uh i just remember going outside and uh uh trying to get some fresh air and just seeing this tree that was out front of uh my friend's house and uh seeing i've seen it like so many times just hanging out as at his place and for some reason this time <laughs> because the shrooms like i you know, the tree just looked like it grew and it was so huge and I, it looked like it was like 300 feet tall, which when in reality it was like only like 20 feet tall, but it looked so massive. Um, but yeah, at the end of the trip, like I, I ended up going home and I just remember sitting like almost like fetal position in my bed and just like looking at the shadows on the wall and just being like, what did I do? I, I broke my brain. <laughs> and I was just like, like, oh man, I'm never coming back from this. And, uh, but, but the truth is, uh, like when you, when you finally fall asleep and you wake up the next day, uh, you feel refreshed and everything just resets like it never happened. And, uh, all that's left is like a crazy memory that changes your outlook on life and makes you appreciate sanity a little bit more <clears throat> the uh overall like taking shrooms or psychedelics um is always a positive experience for the most part uh you learn 
from them uh, even if you had a terrifying and terrible time the uh, next day after it is uh, after it's over you realize it's about something you really needed to change or or fix in your life um, if you're paying attention to that uh, if you're paying attention to what your trip is trying to tell you uh, instead of just being on a drug and acting dumb and not paying attention um, if you do pay attention uh, it can really affect your life in a positive way <clears throat> and um, it's definitely all about set and setting um, and set and setting is like where you're at if you feel comfortable where you're at and um, who you're around um, if you if you're hanging around someone that you don't really trust all the way and and uh, you don't really feel a hundred percent comfortable with it just magnifies it by like 10 and you it just makes you freak out um, so but yeah like you know I don't really condone drug use um, you know I had these experiences when I was younger and uh, I I loved having them I I honestly um i think if everyone uh learned what um shrooms could do for you and your mind um if everybody took them the world would be on the right track towards peace uh and i honestly believe that <clears throat> um i've had that that thought multiple times like when i've taken shrooms and uh I really believe it. <clears throat> um, but yeah, I mean, I understand, you know, doing a drug that lasts that long. <laughs> not everybody's down for that. And uh, it and it's freaky and, you know, kind of takes a certain individual. But uh, I honestly think, I don't know if there's some way to like synthesize that and uh, make it like a short version that doesn't last as long and isn't as intense, but uh, gives people the same effect and uh, experience that you know could you could learn from. You know, I think that would be uh, a great thing for humanity. Um, so, uh, some like other notable like band experiences besides like playing at the whiskey. Um, you know, we we used to play at like bars and roadhouses and uh, <clears throat> whatnot. But uh, <laughs> one time, I just want to like throw this story in there because it's oh, it's pretty bad. Um, <laughs> um, we were playing at the Queen Mary, and uh, it was like this huge. Um, kind of like a festival there was like a, a bunch of bands playing uh and we were like one of the last bands to play um and we were waiting pretty uh, pretty much around like all day like just waiting and uh, waiting for our turn to get up there we got there early and just kind of uh just took our time uh and tried to enjoy the festival before we went on stage and uh something that happened <laughs> it's so bad um uh, one of the most em embarrassing uh, moments in my musical career 
Uh, but it, it wasn't even my fault or the drummer's fault, but uh, the guitarist, Ramses, um, he, <laughs> he he was like a a childhood friend of mine. And, uh, you know, we, we had a lot of experiences together. And um, But yeah, anyways, he... He was, uh, he, for whatever reason, he tuned sh his guitar sharp, uh, which is like a half note up um, from standard tuning. Um, so as soon as we, you know, I, I was trying to get the crowd hyped up and, you know, just like, hey, we're a proximity effect and all that, you know, and, uh, <clears throat> And the, we got like a pretty good crowd response. They seemed like they're getting excited, and there was a pretty decent crowd. And then it was like one, two, three, four, bona, and it just sounded so bad, like because Ramses was out of tune. And it, you know, the way Michael, the drummer, describes it, he sound he says it sounded like a demented uh, clown circus, um, which yeah, pretty much sums it up. It was it sounded so bad. And uh, it totally destroyed our momentum of the show. And I still have a video footage of that, actually. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, once we recovered, yeah, I just remember it was so bad. And I was trying to play and sing, but, and, and like somehow still trying to like tell him that he was way out of tune and needed to tune. But I, by that time, I was already like starting to sing. And I couldn't get off the mic, and I was trying to play it off, and uh, it was so bad. We lost like half the crowd, and then, uh, you know, we like watching the footage. The the footage now, and uh, you know, we we made it up. Like we started sounding like a lot better um, after that, and but you know. We already ruined the first impression, <laughs> but you know, I like I don't feel bad about it. It wasn't my fault, but uh, you know, things happen, and uh, you know, no, no bad bad feelings towards Ramses. You know, whatever it happens, but uh, <clears throat> but yeah, uh, and uh, another crazy thing that happened um, after that, like I. I was uh, roommates with Ramses, and I kind of uh, had a falling out with him. Um, we were really good friends, like I said, and uh, but you know, I kind of like felt like he was taking over the living room too much, and. Like, I was kind of feeling confined to my room too much, and my ex-girlfriend was kind of feeding me things that, like, negative things that she thought, um, him and his girlfriend were doing, like, they were trying to purposely do things to, like, piss us off. And I don't think they were, but, um, it kind of seemed like it, uh, and, and I kind of believed her. And, uh, and uh, it, it kind of fueled the animosity between us. And uh, I got to the point where I was like, ah, well, you know, I'm tired of this and I'm going to move out. And I ended up moving, we ended up moving uh, 
to my ex-girlfriend's like mom's house temporarily just to get out of there and uh I had left before the lease was up and kind of left him like with a month's advance notice you know uh, to find another roommate and and it freaked him the hell out and I just remember him like going off on me like calling me and just cussing me out and just you know and I I didn't want to hear it I was just like man screw this dude like I don't I don't care whatever just figure it out I'm out and uh yeah you know looking back I wish I I handled that better but at the time it just seemed it seemed like the right thing to do like but you know I should have just talked it out with him and been more mature about the situation but it is what it is uh but eventually uh it ended up getting us like in a fist fight later on uh we ended up going to the same minus the bear concert in los angeles at the wiltern theater and uh i got pretty tipsy at the show and i just remember being like a pretty like shitty mood (laughs) uh and just you know I just kept seeing things that would like piss me off and I knew that he was there and and that he was saying like if he saw me he'd fight me type of thing and um yeah I just remember um after the show walking out and I had like a poster that I bought from Minus the Bear in my hand and then all of a sudden Rams is like runs runs up to me he's like what's up motherfucker and like boom just shoves me and like my adrenaline just kicked in like right away and uh I threw a right hand haymaker and just clocked him right in the jaw and he like fell back and right after that like little literally like right after I hit him somebody from behind me and you got to think this is like right after the show. So like, you know, the way it looks like after a crowd is leaving a venue and there's just like this massive crowd leaving. And so it was in the middle of all the, all those people that were at the show and somebody from behind grabbed me and held me. And I thought it was, uh, one of his friends and they were like trying to, trying to help, uh, jump me. And so I started freaking out. Actually, no, I let me back up. So, yeah, like I, I hit him and then like he, I could tell it, it like dazed him. <clears throat> and then he came in towards my mid- midsection and grabbed my waist and like trying to take me down. And I, I reached under with my right arm and uh, was trying to like choke him out standing up and then that's when someone grabbed me from behind and yeah like I said I thought uh it was like one of his friends and they were trying to jump me and so I panicked and I ripped out of the guy's grip uh got got out of his arms and and I just booked it across the street a crowded uh street and um luckily it was a uh, they were stopped at a light and I was able to cross safely. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I don't know how that would have went if the, the crowd or if the cars were moving, 
I don't know. I I probably still would have got out of there. But yeah, I booked it across the street and uh and yeah, I I just remember driving past the marquee and where everybody there were still people congregated there and they were just talking about the fight and they're like, Oh it was like, Oh, I can't believe that just happened <laughs> And uh yeah, it was a crazy pretty crazy uh fight that broke out. It it didn't last very long. Um but yeah, I, I never um uh, made amends with Ramses and and I've heard that he wa- he's you know wants to try to work it out and be friends again but and, you know and I'd, I'd be open to that um but yeah so anyways uh <laughs> so that's kind of like how um proximity effect effect ended and uh t- television rainbow screen uh began at that point um so we got rid of ramses as the guitar player and then i switched to guitar and then we got louis uh who was the new bass player and television rainbow screen was the beginning of my uh it was the introduction to uh, for me to, as a guitar player for bands and that's pretty much where it started all right you guys hey thanks for listening uh to episode three um i'm on a uh, social media um under uh, for my instagram it's james.sterling.cooper find me there uh and there's also the link to my spotify page and uh pretty much everything i post is usually on there um Lava Art Collective also has an Instagram page. It's uh, at lava.wa.art.collective. I'm also on Twitter uh, under uh, at jscooper815. And there's actually a Twitter page for Television Rainbow Screen uh, under at television underscore rs. Uh, currently, there's no Lava Law Twitter, but I'll be working on that. <clears throat> and then also, uh, the Lava Law website is coming soon. Um, I'm looking to build that soon. It's um, going to be under construction. Uh, there's going to be... Uh, I'm going to be selling like t-shirts, uh, hoodies, um, different types of clothes on there, hats buttons posters whatever and uh the main thing i'm going to be putting on there is the music i'm going to eventually be getting vinyl record and uh selling that on there and uh most importantly my uh lava art collective custom guitar straps um if you haven't seen them, I, I hand paint uh, guitar straps and I could customize them however you like. And uh, that the website will offer a way to communicate. Um, you, you'll get to see what they look like and um, how I make them and um, the cost, the, uh, the average cost of it. 
and um, how to submit an order and everything. Um, but hey, yeah, thanks, thanks again for listening to the Love Wall Podcast. Peace.